Good evening and welcome to the Gospel Grammar Show. My name's Jeffrey Stevens. Tonight will be week three of our Bible study on the Gospel of St. Mark. I'll be walking through chapter 1, verses 29 through 45. Let's get started with an Our Father before digging in. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I kept the introduction pretty brief this week. We, uh, we've, we've got a big chunk of scripture to cover, but I do have some details to discuss following the, uh, the actual Bible study concerning the podcast show itself and the gospelgrammar.com website. But I don't know, my goal is to keep the actual Bible study itself to around 45, 50 minutes at longest. And then I'll discuss some of the upcoming changes coming up. But uh, what's most important is getting through the Bible study first. So we'll get started again. I will be walking through... The Gospel of St. Mark, chapter 1, verses 29 through 45. And I'll read the entire context, and then we'll come back, and I've got 10 different points I want to focus on, and then my closing point. So let's get started. And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons, and the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him, and said to him, I will be clean. 
and immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer for yourself cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. So that is our text and that, that was a big chunk of scripture there. Um, but it's important that I start in each or I start and end each episode for a specific reason. And there's a lot I want to get into with this. Again, I've got ten different notes here and then a good point. And if you follow along, if you're listening along, make sure you visit tomorrow evening, Monday more or Monday evening, I'm sorry. Make sure you visit gospelgrammar.com Monday evening and I will publish a post that will tie in more to my final point. But uh, that that we'll get to that when we get there. I don't want to give it away. It, uh, there's a madness to this. There's a rhythm and an order. So let's get started. I want to go back here to the ver very beginning with Mark 30. Or, yeah, Mark chapter 1, verse 30. And verse says, Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. Now th this is a great detail to me. The scripture tells us here that Simon, who is Peter, if you're newer to Bible study, Simon, who is Peter, was married. This intensifies, in my opinion, his willingness to leave everything and follow Jesus. In last week's episode, we discussed when Jesus started calling his disciples to follow him, and Simon and his brother were at their boat, working, fishing, working their nets, and Jesus says, follow me, and they just drop everything immediately and begin following him. And too many times when we read that, we just think in our minds, okay, well, he dropped his fishing pole and he left. Big deal. Well, it was much more to that. They weren't just leaving their fishing equipment. They were leaving life as they knew it. They were walking away from their careers, from their families, from everything they had going on in life. They left that and they began to follow Jesus. And now here in chapter er, in verse 30, we find out that Simon was also married. So that's a big deal. I know if I just up and quit my job, I, I'd have a lot of explaining to do with my wife. I don't know how well that would go over. So that, that's, that's a significant detail here. There was a level of trust in Simon that many Christians today lack. I'm not telling any man they need to leave their wife. Still, at what lengths would you be willing to go to follow Jesus? Could you walk away from family, financial security, or a happy life if you needed to? 
do you have a line in the sand of where you know I'm willing to go this far as long as I know I'm being led by the Holy Spirit? But that's it. I can't go any further. My my faith hasn't developed to that point. Or are you willing to follow Simon Peter here and do whatever Jesus commands and go to any links? And as someone who writes and speaks about the Bible professionally, I would love to be able to say I would do this with no problem. That that would be difficult. That that's touchy. So uh, on here with the second second takeaway, Mark chapter one verse thirty one. And he came and he took her by the hand and lifted her up and the fever left her and she began to serve them. Now the her here, this is Simon's mother-in-law. When we're reading along, we find out she had a fever and she was ill and she was laying in bed. And they, Jesus, he, he comes and he takes her by the hand and he lifts her up and he heals her. The fever goes away. And in my mind, you know, this, this is a lot more than just the common fever we think about today. Because if this, if this is mentioned in Scripture, if Mark went as far to write these minute details to make sure we knew about what was happening, I think his fever was pretty intense. And Mark makes sure we know that as soon as this woman has been healed, she immediately begins serving both Jesus and his followers. As Christians, this is a pattern we need to follow. Anytime Jesus shows up and does the impossible in our life, spending the rest of our days serving him, however the Holy Spirit leads us, is the proper response. Now, th this is important here. I said serving Jesus, however the Holy Spirit leads us. You know, when Jesus first became important to me, I had all these lists of ways I was going to spend the rest of my life serving Jesus. And as good as those intentions were, if I really look into my motives behind my motives, it's not that I was wanting to serve Jesus. I was thinking, how can I go about this in a way that I get people to look at me and when I'm finished getting the attention I want to get, then I'll make sure I wrap things up with pointing others towards a cross. And that, that's not what this woman does here. She's miraculously healed by Jesus, and she right away begins serving not only him, but his followers. And that's important. We need to, we need to keep that in mind. Yes, we are to serve Jesus, and he has a personal way for each and every one of us to go about that. But we also need to make sure we're directing our attention and time to his people. So on here now to verse 32. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. Now this is right after he heals Simon's mother-in-law and she begins to serving them. Once the sun goes down... And that that's an important that's another important detail for starters, because it was a Sabbath, these people had to wait until sundown before they were able to move about and come to Jesus. 
So because it was the Sabbath, the Jewish law and tradition, that there were certain things they could not do during the Sabbath. And Jesus disputes these with the Pharisees and religious rulers all throughout the Gospels. But here, he's making sure that people are doing what they're supposed to do according to Jewish law. They are obeying and following the Sabbath. They wait till sundown. According to all the commentary I could find, this would have been around 6 in the evening. But as important as that is, more importantly, in my opinion, Scripture tells us all who were sick and oppressed by demons came to Jesus. That word there, all. All who were sick and oppressed by demons came to Jesus. Not those with great synagogue attendance, being in the presence of Jesus wasn't limited to those who were familiar with Scripture. All who needed Jesus came to Him. And today, there's just too many of us who are under this false impression that all of our ducks have to be in a row before turning to Christ. And this couldn't be further from the truth. You know, that's, I spend a lot of time talking to people who are new to the Christian faith or on the border of making Jesus the Lord of their lives. And that's the most common response I always get as well. I, I've still got this lingering sin that I know it's wrong, but I also enjoy it. So once once I grow out of this and start getting my life together, then I'll show up at church, or then I'll start taking the Bible more seriously. And that, that's got to be the dumbest response there is. That, that's like saying as soon as you're done bleeding, you go to the emergency room. And Jesus is willing to meet us right exactly where we are. Sure, as our, our faith develops, there has to be a level of obedience and repentance but that that doesn't happen overnight and this is so common among people who you know they have an interest in Jesus they're definitely a fan Jesus has got their attention but he doesn't have their heart yet and they think they have to have their heart clean before they can give it to Jesus and that's the thing is until we give our heart to Jesus, they'll never be clean, ever. And I'm I'm actually, I'm just starting, I'm writing a devotional book specifically for men on becoming a man after God's own heart. And this, this getting a new heart, this isn't an event, it's a process. There's time and work involved on our part. But we have to be willing to start somewhere. It's not get your life together and then go to Jesus. It's go to Jesus and he will show you how to get your life together. Now on with the next note from verse 34. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. Now, by by casting out demons, and we we covered pretty great last week how 
the focus of Jesus' ministry was not performing miracles and healing people. His focus was teaching. The casting out demons and the miraculous healings, those were all to demonstrate his authority, his divinity, that he was a son of God. So his focus was teaching all the miracles and all the healing and casting out demons. This is just a, a side note, just to get people's attention. By casting out demons, Jesus was establishing the authority he'd be given, been given from his Father. Through this action, he demonstrated the advancement of the kingdom of God, driving back the enemy's power over God's people. So by Jesus doing these things the way he went about doing it, it was driving back evil. It was pushing back the darkness of the world. And today, living in, I guess, 2021 now, we don't have to look very hard to see the enemy at work in the world we live in. It's all over. Look at Facebook or social media or turn on the news. Evil is all around us, and it seems like it's never ending, that it's the only thing there. But if we're willing to look hard enough... God's kingdom is still being advanced today. There are still these miracles happening. Demons are still being cast out. Jesus is still in the business of performing personal miracles in our lives. And I, I see it with my own eyes. I'm a recovering alcoholic. I mean, I here it is almost 8 o'clock Sunday night, and I haven't drank today, and there's football on. That that's a miracle. That's something Jesus has done. Without Him, that's not possible. And so, you know, it, that that's my personal miracles. For others, it's families being restored. It's a dad coming home to the children that he abandoned. It's a wife forgiving the husband, or vice versa. It's feuds and families being put to an end and people becoming a part of one another's lives again. There's so many different miracles that demonstrate God's kingdom is still here on earth today. And not only is it present, it is advancing and it still continues to push back evil and darkness in the world. And that that's key there is we have to be willing to look hard enough. So that might be something you need to pray about, that God will open your eyes to his presence in your life, that you'll be able to experience him more in the miraculous ways he goes about goes about being God. And on here now, like I said, I've got ten of these notes. And then the final point, we are on note five. And this comes from Mark chapter 1, verse 35. And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark. And that's just a heads up for some of my younger listeners. There is a time of the morning to where it is still dark. If you get up early enough, that's something you're experiencing. But I'll save that for another episode. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, 
he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Now, the more Jesus taught and the more miracles he performed, his schedule became more and more hectic. Still, he made sure he was spending personal time with God the Father. And that's something I can relate to. I just finished up the book I was writing. Actually, I found out today that is now available on Amazon.com. The title of that book is Walking Through the Gospel in 90 Days. And it's a 90-day devotional just going through all four Gospels, chapter by chapter. But with everything I have going on, you know, I, I write, I... I'm always working on a book. I have several websites I write for. I have a five-year-old daughter who has a very active schedule with school and then extracurricular activities. And I won't, I, I won't lie about it. When time gets crazy and I need to hit the snooze button once or twice, normally my prayer time is what gets pushed to the side. You know, when I'm tired at night and I literally stay up as late as I can working, you know, I I would much rather just go lay down in bed and try to pray before I fall asleep rather than going through the normal process of when I pray. And still here, as busy as Jesus was, with the audience and crowd that he had developed and the people he had following him, still he made sure he was getting up early enough in the morning and going to a desolate place to pray. And that were desolate. We'll come back to that later. But it's not easy. It's not always easy to find the time we need to pray. Still, intimate prayer is a vital link between ourselves and God. We have to become disciplined enough to separate ourselves from other people for personal time and prayer, even if it means waking up early or staying up late. And for me personally, I do better waking up early than I do staying up late, but that's just me. But either way, you know, when, when we go out of our normal to experience God, normally it's always... 99.99% of the time, it's always a much more intimate experience, at least in my experience. So on here now with verse 38. And he said to them, Let us go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And so this is this is after Jesus had gotten up early in the morning. He went out to the desolate place to pray, and the place was so desolate that his disciples didn't even know where he was. So they had to go searching for him. And then once they finally find him, they say, Hey, everybody back town, they need healed. They, they need the winning lottery numbers. They need a miracle. You've got to come back to town and take care of this. And Jesus said, let's go on. And regardless of what was going on around him, Jesus stayed focused on his overall purpose and mission. 
He didn't allow situations or circumstances to throw him off course. Fulfilling his father's purpose was his top priority. In today's world, too many of us make things as easy as possible for the enemy. We're more interested in what's going on around us instead of what God wants to accomplish through us. Until we're able to stay focused on the task at hand, we'll never be as dangerous to the enemy as we've been created to be. And now, part of what I do, both with writing and, of course, also this podcast show, you know, social, social media is involved. I, I've got to share stuff on Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn. Those are the three platforms I use. And I can go from what should take three or four minutes to share an article I've written or a podcast episode and before you know it, I've spent half an hour looking through Facebook or Twitter and haven't even done what I started out to do. And that's a huge problem today. Um, there, It's not just me. There's so many people I know that it can be difficult to stay focused on the task at hand. Like I said, we're more interested in what is going around, going on around us than what God is wanting to do through us. And until we can change that, I'm starting to get better. I've, I've, it's something I'm working on. Like I said earlier, with our heart, giving our heart to Jesus, this isn't, an, this isn't an event, it's a process. So I'm getting better at it. But uh, we, we have to allow God to discipline us enough that you know Facebook is just like any other sin when when you take Facebook can be a great thing it can also be very very evil but it can be good uh, good but when you allow it to become what's most important that's when it becomes an issue it's just like I mentioned being an alcoholic there's nothing wrong with somebody drinking a couple beers every now and then I can't do that though if I open a beer right now, by noon Wednesday, alcohol is going to control everything about who I am. And if I'm not careful, I allow social media or news networks or any other thing to do the same exact thing alcohol does to me. So I'm still in the process of learning to stay focused on what God is wanting to accomplish both in and through me instead of what the world is doing around me. And that that can be difficult at times. It's so now on here with Mark chapter 1, verse 40. And th this is one of my favorite notes. Out of the ten I wrote for this episode, between this and what I ended up doing for my final point, I couldn't decide on which of the two to discuss the most and I ended up obviously picking the other but this this really got to me um, again it's Mark chapter 1 verse 40 and a leper came to him imploring him and kneeling said to him if you will you can make me clean now back during biblical times there, there was no cure for leprosy. If you had it, that just that was it. That, that was, there's nothing you could do about it. 
If you had leprosy, you were ceremonial, ceremonially unclean. You couldn't even go to church. You couldn't go to the synagogue. The, there was something wrong with you that was contagious and there was no cure for. And I, I read some commentary getting ready for this show to where people would actually throw stones at people with leprosy just to keep them away to create a safe distance because they didn't want to be around them. And so if you had leprosy, you were ceremonially unclean. The same could be said of anyone who physically touched you. So that's why these people would try to create a safe distance between themselves and someone with leprosy because all they had to do was touch them and then they were also ceremonially unclean. That's because of how contagious leprosy was. You were viewed as an outcast, someone being punished by God. They were both socially isolated and financially forced to depend on the charity of others. The majority of these people were viewed as highly contagious. And so I, I, I spent a good couple hours trying to wrap my, wrap my head around this. And what I kept coming back to is technically speaking, each and every one of us is suffering from our own leprosy. Every one of us. Each of us are deformed by sin's ugliness. By sending Jesus to the world in flesh, God has touched us, providing an opportunity for us to be healed. This needs to be remembered any time we begin to feel repulsed by someone else's spiritual or physical sickness. And that just really got to me, you know, uh, according to my sin... I'm ceremonially unclean based on decisions and actions I've made throughout my life. I couldn't have went to the synagogue back then. Um, each and every one of us have our own spiritual leprosy. And without Jesus' touch, that's never going to go away. It's not something we're going to get rid of just like leprosy. There is no cure. And it is very very highly contagious. I can be around a group of friends and I I can lead them to a great Bible study if I want or I can lead them to great sin and I, I'm good with words. I, not so much speaking but if you ever read something I've written you wouldn't believe it's the same person. But uh, I, I can be influential in others' lives. And so the spiritual sickness that I have, my spiritual leprosy, without Jesus, I'm just as sick and desperate as the man we read about here in this passage. <clears throat> I had to get a drink. On, on now here with note number nine. And this is from verse 44. And this is Jesus talking to the man with leprosy. He just touched and healed. And you got to think about that. People were, like I said, I, I spent a couple hours going over this. 
and people were not allowed to touch or be touched by someone with leprosy, that they would throw stones to keep them away. And Jesus reaches out and he touches this guy. And at this point, Jesus is already going in and out of synagogues teaching. And so, according to religious law, he, he was no longer to do that because he touched this person. And instead of this leprosy infecting Jesus, Jesus, in a way that only he can, he heals the man. The leprosy is gone. And Jesus tells him in verse 44, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. This man was told to show the priest so he would be declared ceremonially clean. This would allow him to become socially rehabilitated as well as bear witness to the healing power of Jesus. While Jesus asked this man for specific reasons not to tell anyone what had happened, today we are to use every opportunity we can to point others towards the cross. It's not, look what happened to me, look at my blessing. It's, look what Jesus is still able and willing to do. And we'll talk about this a little bit more with this last note I have here. We're actually making great time. I was worried. I've got a one-hour limit with this platform, and I was worried about pushing that boundary a little too much. And we're down to our last note, and I'm only at 34 minutes. So, but uh, this... Where was I going out? This man, Jesus told this man, don't tell anyone what was going on, that you've been healed. And this wasn't some kind of a trick or a setup. Mark, 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 the writer of this gospel, he shares this with us because, as we read earlier, Jesus had to go out to a desolate place just to be alone long enough to pray. Great crowds of people were being drawn to him, but for all the wrong reasons. They weren't coming to hear him preach about repent and the kingdom of God is at hand. They were coming out because they wanted a miracle. They wanted to heal. They wanted, like I said, winning lotto numbers. They wanted Jesus to drastically change their life as they knew it, but then they needed him to move on to the next town. And that, that wasn't Jesus' goal, like I mentioned earlier. He didn't come to heal and cast out demons. He came to teach. And so the, these crowds were getting so amazingly huge that Jesus had to start telling people, make sure you don't tell anyone what I did because I know I can't have the crowd getting any bigger. So that that's why that, that happened here. But today... Any time we experience the miraculous power of Jesus Christ in our lives, we automatically, we become God's billboard. Whatever, we're a blank check for Jesus Christ in whatever amount and any way he wants to spend. 
we are to make sure everyone knows not what we did or how we were blessed or what we've done with the blessing we've been given. We are to use the event solely to point others to the cross. And so that, that needs to be remembered. If you're someone that God has really showed up and shown off in your life, like John the Baptist told us, we, we need to make less of ourselves and make much of him. And only when we begin to do that the way we're supposed to are we truly able to glorify God through our experiences. And so on here now, chapter 45, note 10, the last one before my, my final point. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was, I'm sorry, could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places. There's that word again. And people were coming to him from every quarter. And so this is a man that, this was a man that had leprosy who Jesus had just healed. And then Jesus tells him, go to the priest, but don't tell anyone else what's going on. Well, this guy gets around the corner and he starts letting everybody know to where exactly what Jesus was trying to prevent starts happening. More and more people flock to him and come to receive their miracle and Jesus is forced out to desolate places again. We, we read that word earlier. When, when Jesus got up early in the morning to go pray, he was going to desolate places because no one else was there. Now we see he has to go to desolate places because the crowds are becoming so big. And then scripture tells us, but he was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. So this man here, this man who'd been miraculously healed from his leprosy, he wasn't deliberately trying to create difficulties for Jesus. He was simply so overcome with joy because he'd been healed, he couldn't help but share the miracle Jesus performed with others. This is a model we are to follow. We don't draw a crowd of people around ourselves. We send them to God. And that, that pretty much just touches what I've tried to drive home the last two or three notes. Now I've got something here, and I, I'm not going to lie to you. I've, I've got it written down on paper, and all I'm going to do is read it. But this is my final point. And I'm sure I'll, I'll add a little bit in as we go along, but this is really important to me. And as I said earlier, I'm a much better writer than I am a speaker. So my natural go-to is to write it and then read it during the show. So now my point. Oh, wow, I got it all on the front page, too. That, that's impressive. Back in verse 35, we read that in order to make sure Jesus was able to spend time with his father, he would rise very early in the morning and go out to a desolate place. 
Jesus, Jesus was willing to do whatever he needed to do to make sure intimate time was being spent with God the Father. He was even willing to go out to desolate places. This is something we have to be willing to do ourselves. The word desolate means barren or laid waste, deprived or destitute of inhabitants, solitary and lonely, dreary, dismal, and gloomy. So a, a desolate place, this is not somewhere you wanted to be. It, it was kind of like torture. But Jesus was willing to go somewhere no one else wanted to be in order to be alone with God. We see this word desolate again in verse 45. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. These people wanted to be in the presence of Jesus so bad that they were willing to search out the worst areas in the region for him. They wanted to spend time with Jesus regardless of where they needed to go. And I, I just, the more and more I've thought about this, can you say that? Because I, you know what, there's days that I can't. You know, I, my schedule will be a little busier than normal or I'll wake up late or something else will be going on. And we become so comfortable that all we have to do is bow our heads and start praying and God's right there. But what about when, he, what about when he's not? What about times or seasons of life when God seems distant? You know, rather it's because of our own sin or he's trying to teach us a lesson or whatever the cause. What if we can't experience God the way we've grown accustomed to here in the United States in the year 2021. How far are you willing to go? While no, you might not go to a desolate place like we read about here in the Bible, but how desolate are you willing to allow your life to become in order to get to Jesus? Like I mentioned earlier, will you wake up early? Will you stay up late? Will you change the way you're living? Will you repent of the areas in your life where it's needed? How far will you go in order to spend intimate time alone with God? And this this has to be a priority in our lives. This isn't something you do on Sunday morning at church. It's not a couple words you mumble when you wake up in the morning or before you go to sleep. This intimacy with God this this has to be a part of everyday life in every decision we make in the way we interact with others the way we think it, it has to be the foundational moment or the foundational part of everything important in our lives it's how it's how we should not be known is the alone time we spend with God to change everything about everything about who we are and until we're able to do that we will never be able, we will never become the people we were created to be
And so 43 minutes and 51 seconds. That wraps things up for this week. Thank you for tuning in to this week's Bible study episode. If you've enjoyed listening, please share the Gospel Grammar Show with a friend. There will be several changes taking place to both the podcast show and gospelgrammar.com this week. And that's something I wanted to touch on a little bit, and we've obviously got some time here. Going forward, starting next week, which obviously it's Sunday night, these Bible study podcasts are done on Saturday, but with New Year's Eve, things were busy, so I waited till Sunday. I I had things going on with the book launch, and my my wife has been a little sick this last week, so it, it just it didn't get done yesterday. I got it done tonight, but going forward... I had been doing a quick podcast episode almost every morning covering the daily readings of the Catholic Church, and I'm not going to continue doing that. I'm going to keep this episode, this show, the episode, the Bible study episode every Saturday, and then I'm going to add an episode just kind of like I do this Bible study. I'm going to walk through the Catechism of the Catholic Church. That's something I've had a ton of people reach out to me about. It's something I don't think enough people not just read, but they study. You know, if you're Catholic, our focus shouldn't be what other Catholics think think the Catholic Church teaches or even what we want the Catholic Church to teach. Our priorities have to be what the Catholic Church actually teaches. And I had someone that reach out to me the other day wanting to know some great books to read on the Catholic Church. She's a Protestant. She's spent last year really considering converting to Catholicism. And she asked me, well, what books can I read? And I just, I told her, I said, you know what, read read the Catechism. That That's exactly where I would start. And so the more and more I thought about that, that's going to be something we start doing. And... I still need to decide, I I would like, sometimes I think I want to do it like I do this, that I want to do it once a week for about 50 minutes, and then sometimes I think, you know what, this could go much quicker if I would do just a page or two every day, every morning, just a quick 10-minute episode. So that that is one thing. Um... One thing that is changing, which you will notice both in the show and with gospelgrammar.com, my website, I have been blessed with this amazing audience that is about split down the middle between Catholics and Protestants. I converted to the Catholic Church a couple years ago. I am a practicing Catholic. I until recently have been very involved with a non-denominational church 
And while I will never, ever be the Catholic that says Protestants are going to hell or not doing something right, I just want my focus to be, you know, I, I, I was thinking I had to talk with my five-year-old daughter, and I keep that in mind, she's, she's five, but I was having a conversation with my daughter a few nights ago and it's really important to me that she knows we are Catholic. Her mom's a cradle Catholic. I converted a couple years ago and had... The conversion process for me has been about a 10-year-long event. It's just something I've fought and fought and fought, and then it happened, and it just it has been amazing. So I, I would love if Protestants continue reading. I'm still going to write for a Protestant website, joshuasoutpost.com. I think I'll be writing one or two articles a month for that site. And then I write for several Catholic websites. It's not that I don't want Protestants listening along to the podcast or reading what I write. It just, my aim is to, I think that is an area where Catholics miss. When I first converted to the Catholic Church, I would mention this personal relationship with Jesus and not enough Catholics knew what I was talking about. I even had several Catholics tell me that's a Protestant thing. Catholics don't do that. But if you actually read your catechism and following along several comments made by different popes and different saints, yes, Catholics have a Eucharistical relationship with Jesus, but we also need to have this personal, intimate, one-on-one relationship also. And that is really going to be my focus going forward. Um, so that is going to change how the podcast and the website both look and operate. And again, tomorrow evening, gospelgrammar.com, I will have a blog post published regarding my final point tonight is going to desolate places to experience the presence of Jesus Christ. So look for that tomorrow. And next week, Saturday, this coming week, this coming Saturday, we will continue with the Bible study of the Gospel of St. Mark, and we will go through chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. So I will spend this week preparing for that. And until then, live free and on purpose. God bless.